Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. For a couple years now, I uh, had the view, like many, of a degrading world. We're like falling for the need for a great reset. And so I fell that into that narrative because clearly we can see a, a strong cultural shift and tension between parties and dynamics that are failing and institutions who are also failing and the ones that are standing are can be tyrannical or oppressive. And then I did some deep studying in the and the fundamentals of woke and following some woke scholars and following the trend, the Marxist trend from from its evolution till till current day and what I've come out is that whatever the state of affairs is, the attack is simultaneously on sexuality itself. And because in other studies of I went into that field as well, I know something important about sexuality that's very different than other concepts. So when sexuality is in danger or is being attacked, it doesn't respond the same as other concepts. Like, for example, the post-colonial attack on a world that we're viewing in the lens of colonial oppressors and victims. And so we begin to disentangle and break down the most relevant Western democracies because of their colonial aspects to them. Now, Marxist type of thinking the to find the critique to negate to break down the the structures of concepts of institutions of networks it works it works in many cases because when you critique something you you break it down and if the critique is valid and it is a valid critique. Whatever we may say about the arguments out in this current day, they're valid critiques that require adequate answers. And without, those who are not answering will be run over to the steamroller of a culture that's moving very fast and is very equipped to handle their own without the need for these people who can't meet their demands. And so, if you take even race, the way you attack race can be, for them, it can be successful. You critique it to a point where society crumbles into classes and into, instead of classes, into racial minorities and groups and and there's this tension and then battle erupts right we, we see we see the the evolution 
doesn't take any smart, wise man to figure that one. And so when it comes to sexuality, there's a trick. Sexuality has a certain trick up its sleeve. And people don't are not aware of it. And therefore, we're assuming that just as any other concepts getting attacked, soon all sexual dynamics will break down. And how could a society run when sexuality can't even be figured out? And and even those simplistic intimate dynamics are are not adequately met and dealt with. And so here's the trick. Because sexuality is so fundamental and because sexuality fundamentally relies on a dynamic of two opposing parties. Now, you might ask... Why? Why does sexuality need two opposing parties? Why can't it work with one party or two parties that are not opposing each other? If you study sexuality, you'll find those truths. I, I could try to elaborate, but I don't think it follows the purpose of this this episode. But let's take it as a factual that sexuality first needs two parties. One party is not enough. And if somebody thinks masturbation is, is a response, if they follow the imagery in their own head during such an experience, they would find another party in the imaginative aspect of things. Now, is it connected to reality? Not. Definitely not. But in imaginary world, which is the realistic world for the physiological experience to produce a mast masturbation, adequate masturbation, you need two parties. And secondly, you need two opposing parties so that there's a top and a bottom or a bottom and a top where one party has to meet the in inadequacy of the other and the other party has to meet the inadequacy of the other party. So they have to be opposing to meet the essential needs that can't be provided by the other party. It needs to be a need that that's to be fulfilled. And so those two aspects, the, the two-party aspect and the two-opposing-party aspect, are fundamental, I would say, laws of sexuality. And if you take them out, if you try to make the parties completely equal where they're not fulfilling the inadequacy of each other, what you find is a, a decline in libido. And, and from there, sexuality doesn't exist. Now, can it be performed? I think that at the final climax, there is a quick shift into a dynamic of a, two opposing parties. But you may argue that somehow someone could climax without that. And I disagree, but... It's, it's very difficult to find studies or even to attempt to study this yourself because it, we just don't know the imaginatory subconscious layers of each person and the experience. And it can never be known, even to subjective personhood. And so because sexuality is so bound to dynamics, and when I say dynamics of opposing parties, and that it has to be two... And not more than two, by the way. In the fundamental finalization of it, it can't be more than two. But that's not relevant for this. Since that's the rule, what results is that sexuality, when it gets attacked, when you critique sexuality and you say, 
Oh, I could rip apart institutions by saying they're colonials, uh, uh, colonizers. And I could rip apart, um, you know, uh, workforce um, populace by saying that they're they're racist and I could I could rip apart I could find the critique and everything and rip it apart to shreds the little bit prob the, the tiny problem with sexuality is when you try to rip apart sexuality the opposing party because sexuality needs an opposing party is the complete opposite of that so what you'll find is if you rip apart sexuality to shreds and say cisgender all the way or that It could be wherever and whenever and we could wherever you find comfort, I will question that comfort. Whatever you find to be normal, I will say I will denormalize. And so you won't find any refuge in sexuality. So I will critique you to its fundamental sense because you don't know all the deep aspects of dynamics and you can't respond to me when I question that question and critique you. And so the hope is like in any other marxist attempt of negation of of ripping apart things to its to its ripping apart it to its fundamental sense meaning kill kill the institution kill the idea to rebirth something obviously we know it's not a rebirth but a it's a hopeful rebirth that does never comes and never and the like likeliness of what the motive that people are attempting at Still, with sexuality, the, the trick is that as you try to rip it apart to shreds, the opposing party, if you look at sexuality as two massive different parties that have to be opposing, the opposing party will be the exact opposite of what you're trying to rip apart. So if we at day we are ripping apart sexuality by saying how fluid it is and how how we could rip apart rip break the norms of it at night we're going to crave the norm normal aspects of it we're going to want to be as fundamental as possible because the opposing party needs to react or find find the need in themselves that the the other party is not is not is sorry each party needs to fulfill the need of themselves from the other so if on one side of sexuality we're ripping it apart, the other side of sexuality is going to have to be somebody that wants to enjoy, to experience being ripped apart. And who could? There's only one party that could be that. Someone that's completely normative, completely fundamental and traditional that could appreciate being ripped apart. So when you break down sex, sexuality, what you're really doing is creating a new society of people who would love to experience the the need of ripping apart sexuality mainly that they're you're creating a victorian society by ripping apart sexuality and so even in personhood subjective personhood of people of everybody f attempting to rip apart sexuality people in the game deep in the game what happens is even them, their fantasies will be the opposite of what they're preaching at day. Because what they're lacking is what they will crave in the sexual department. So what are they lacking? They're lacking structure. 
normality. They're lacking the things that they're ripping apart at day. So at night, they're going to crave that need. Now they're going to need people to fulfill that need. Now if they ripped apart society and that there's no other people to fulfill it, they're stuck in a catch-22 where they're never satisfied. And because sexuality is such a powerful reproductive urge and need and, and, and the essence of our species the people that are actually ripping apart sexuality will need to create a society that will provide them the need that they are lacking. Even if they do that subconscious, they will do it subconscious actually because they need to get their needs met in, in the biological fundamental sense. And so this is the great game that I guess I would say Sigmund Freud against Karl Marx, where Sigmund Freud is saying we need to explore sexuality in its deepest senses because we see the evolution of psychology in a person in the realm of sexuality. And so Karl Marx is, is fighting the, the establishment and saying we must act, we must act. And we'll always try to find problems. So he is meeting that sexual, that sexual libido. He's, and they're meeting each other at this day and age. Now we assume Karl Marx would work because it works in so many different arenas. It works in racial and class in, um, property as we saw in, in uh, governments and oppression and, and colonial aspects. We see it work in so many different arenas. And so we assume that sexuality is just another check in the box. Let's break that. Because the 21st century in the West is, is bound to sexuality because it's important based on figures like Sigmund Freud and others, you're not going to be successful at completely colonizing and communizing the Western society without dealing with the sexual issue because it's that important to the minds of the West. Now, that specific issue is the specific issue that they will never be successful at because of the double bind, the double dynamic that sexuality offers by the two opposing party law. I find this to be great because what we see from this and if my theory is true, then what we see from this is that it will fall on its face. But not only that, we see that there's progress in our society because the battle is staged in a place that offers only goodness to both parties. It offers goodness to the woke party because they get to understand sexuality in a deep sense but still have to be bound to the norms because of their fantasies at night and it's good for the other parties that are not woke but never really ask the fundamental questions about sexuality that are now having to face it which could only create good conversation and development so what what's happening is that because the critique because something bad has entered into a space. A parasite 
has entered in a, into a space that actually turns it into a good, fulfilling thing, what results is good growth for everybody, which is just such a great lesson in, in nature where the, the evil thing becomes good just by the fact that the environment naturally will turn it into good. Because we have to understand that parasite and even the evil intentions of, let's say, someone who would want to critique society to the ground are not they're, they're not intentionally trying to destroy everything they are trying to bring rebirth and so if the rebirth comes from better sexuality then so be it they're just asking for a rebirth even if it means it goes against the critique that they have and so Everybody wins, even in the initial attention. The initial attention is to rip apart sexuality, the norm the normalcy of sexuality, and what rebirths from that is better norm. Thanks for listening, and if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.